I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right, let's start with the obvious. Uh, we are the Atlanta Falcons. We don't complain about two touchdown week one wins. Uh, I don't like the amount of complaining I've been seeing. Um, I think we have to start with the defense. I think Jesse Bates was as advertised, if not better. He is a leader back there, and his his vision, his playmaking abilities are traits we haven't had back there in in a while. I think the secondary of this team has a good chance to be a strength. I'm going to hold off on any other defensive takes based on the Bryce Young uh, first game receiverless Panthers um, I think that team is going to be dreadful, and I'm not going to make too many conclusions based off of one game, but that's exactly what you want to see from that defense in week one. Now let's go to the offense, and I know there's lots of complaints, and no, I don't think Desmond Ritter played very well, and yes, the passing game has to be better. But all of the like hemming and hawing about, oh, uh, you know, London didn't have a catch, one target, uh, Pitts was, was, you know, had two catches, whatever. Like, did you watch the way the passing game was functioning the first half? It, it, it was anemic. Like you, and they could run the ball at will, and so they did. And so I don't like this idea that Arthur Smith has no idea what he's doing. I don't believe that. Um, you play the game to win, and they did play that game to win. The running game is going to be one of the best in the league. Bijan Robinson is as advertised. He is a certified freak. That touchdown was awesome. Algier is Algier. We know what that is. And another thing on the passing game, like Brian Burns was wiping Caleb McGarry left and right. You can't step back and pass like that when you got a quarterback who clearly wasn't on his game. Um, and, and you, this is not going to be a drop back passing offense. And so all of that needs to get better. But I also think we don't need to overreact to one game there, which brings me to my last point of, I know you guys are probably going to talk about Ritter and Heineke and the draft and get ahead of ourselves there. Desmond Ritter wasn't very good, but we also saw Desmond Ritter be better than that last year. Like, I, I don't think this is something where Desmond Ritter is just an incompetent quarterback. 
We're going to give him a month. We're going to give him two months, and we're going to see how that goes. Meanwhile, this team's going to win a lot of games without him being very good because of the schedule, because of the defense, and because of the running game. I don't complain about week one wins by two touchdowns, and I'm not going to start now. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ down there in Atlanta, Georgia. Ninety-nine, the game, two four seven Sports Zone. Garrett Chapman. Garrett, good evening. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm still waiting on the day that you, you, you're you not the aforementioned Chase Thomas. Mm. One of these days, I think it's going to happen. You never know. But well, no, life is because... good, man. Life is good. Georgia Tech got their first win mm. over the weekend. So we got a life's life's a little better when you're when you're covering a win. Mm. Uh, they got Ole Miss next week. So it'll be kind of a, an interesting one for uh, for the Yellow Jackets. But look, Georgia, Georgia Tech got a win. Georgia got a win. Georgia State, Georgia Southern. The Falcons, Braves won over the week. They just won earlier today. And I mean, look, big weekend, big weekend indeed. Mm. Kyle Wright's back. I Kyle said that back, he, he would, we right never now. see him again. That's really weird. I really thought he was never going to be seen from again. Instead, it was Michael Soroka who we would never see again. Sad. Yeah, I was. I was a little disappointed with what we saw from Michael Soroka just in general uh, because I was like you, expecting a little bit more from him. Um, it's a it's a bit of a bummer, though. I will say that his performance in the month of August was left to AAA. Mm. I was not happy with that. That was not my favorite thing. But you know what? He got to throw the ball this year, full season for the most part, and I, I think it's a step in the right direction. I, I'm I'm a little bit worried that his future career may not end up being here in Atlanta, uh, but. Look, I, they've stuck with him for this long. I'd be very surprised if they just say they cut the cord now. Uh, he'll get another year, and, I, and I'm hoping that uh, next year is the year he finally puts it back all together. You know, because there's a mental aspect to it. There's there's something about there's something to it when you're actually out there throwing every day, and uh, or at least every fifth day you're making an appearance and, and being able to do that and get that repetition. I think is going to be very valuable for him. Uh, I wish we could have seen him a little bit longer at the professional level, especially because I mean, look. This team has run away with the division. They've had the division in hand for a very long time. I think it would have made a lot of sense for the team to give Michael Soroka some, some, I don't know, an opportunity in the month of August. It would have been nice to see, but uh, it was all for naught, I guess. So he goes on the aisle, and I, it was just sort of an innocuous comment that it's just my brain just sort of like flowed with. But uh, no, we'll, we'll get back to the topic at hand. No, I mean, this is why, like, uh, this naturally is just to Yanni Churios. Yanni Chirinos, Yanni Chernos, Yanni Chirinos. How many appearances did he have? He had like four or five appearances. Why yeah. didn't Michael Soroka get any of those? I talked about that on my show. It didn't make any sense for Michael Soroka not to be that guy. And then he comes up to the professional level and he gets hurt. And that's just yeah. what happens. But you got to strike with the irons hot. He was playing good baseball in the month of August. And it's a shame that he didn't get a single rep up here in, in the pros after until September when he got hurt. Well, speaking of sports radio, I thought this would be fun each week. Garrett Chapman. I like that. I'm not in sports radio. Respect sports radio. A little bit different, though. I don't think I have a sports radio personality. 
I, I'm too laid back. I'm too, I don't know if I can do it. I, I just listened to a, a, a Carl Dukes and a Mike Bell, or a, I, I don't want to mention the competition, but I am friendly with a lot of the, the good folks sure. over there at 680. The good fan. folks over there at 680. Um, but I don't, I just, there's not any part of me that's in there. I, I, I don't know. It's funny. I've talked about this before with you when I listened uh, to, to y'all stuff on the weekend. Um, I'm like popping in and out. And I'm like, it's just funny to hear Garrett and Garrett, the radio man versus Garrett yeah. on the podcast. Cause it's very different, uh, which is pretty fascinating uh, in terms of, I'm not saying you're like playing a character. I'm just saying it's like a different skill set. Um, and it's a different it's kind of talking. It's a different kind of um presenting and uh having a conversation so it's just it's interesting to to hear that side of you uh when i when i'm able to pop in but garrett (laughs) your sports radio like if you're leading the afternoon drive you locked uh carl dukes and mike bell out of the studio you're like sorry buckaroos it's my show now and you take over the studios and you get to do your most sports radio takeaway from game one with the Atlanta Falcons and their victory over the Carolina Panthers. What do you, what do you lead with? Desmond Ritter. I honestly, because the starting quarterback is what sells. Mm. Uh, People show up and buy tickets because they like the starting quarterback. They don't necessarily come because they like the running back. I will say, and I love B. John Robinson, but the lead story is Desmond Ritter. And I don't blame him for the performance on Sunday. He was 15 of 18. It's a pretty good performance. all, All in all, until you look at the fact that he had what 115 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, you take out some of the, the, the sack yardage and he was sub hundred and that's just unacceptable. And yes, he had the passing touchdown and, and he really wouldn't have had the passing touchdown if it wasn't for the fact that you have a, a supreme athlete in Bijan Robinson, a guy who's just a freak of nature, uh, who showed why he was worthy of a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, um, with that play, just specifically mm-hmm. in that play. And he had a good game just in general, not even just that one run, but. Desmond Ritter, I don't, I don't blame him necessarily uh, because Derek Brown, and we'll talk about this coming up here in a little bit, but Derek Brown and Brian Burns were men possessed mm. for Carolina on that defensive line. And early in this game, you saw they pretty much did whatever they wanted to as far as pat rushing the passer, and they were get, getting pressure. So Desmond wasn't able to do the drop back, your standard dropbacks, And it almost felt a little bit like Arthur Smith was coddling him or protecting him a little bit. Um, and I'm not saying that because he doesn't trust his quarterback. I'm not saying that it's just, there are a combination of factors and I, and we need to see more from Desmond Ritter moving forward. I mean, 120, 115 yards just isn't going to get it done. Zero receptions to your lead target is not going to get it done. The one play that we had to Kyle Pitts really was one of the only times we saw him unload and, and uncork that uncork it a little bit, you know, and when we actually did see him do it, he makes a beautiful throw. I mean, it was, Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very impressed with that throw because he's a double covered tight end and, and you put it in the bread basket where only he can get it, you know, and it was a great play, great catch, great decision from Arthur Smith to, to call that play. And I want to see more of that. We need to see more of that, especially if, if the Green Bay Packers are what they were week one. And look, we, we thought earlier on this pod when we were actually previewing the season and looking ahead to what we had in store this we've penciled in as a W because you have a new quarterback. And I don't know if we can do that anymore because look, you're in the NFL and every week's going to be difficult. Every week is against professional athletes, you know, but I thought we were going to have a little bit more talent um, than green Bay. And it turns out green Bay didn't miss a beat week one. And I don't know if that's just because they played the bears. Um, the Packers know that they love to, to dominate the bears. They've done it for the last 
30 years, 40 years or so. And it's just been a very consistent thing for them. But in it's a new era for both teams, for both franchises. We'll see what happens next week. But we need to see more from Desmond Ritter if you want to win football games and eventually win the NFC South. Yeah, and I mean, Daniel Flick had this on Twitter that I thought was interesting. Desmond Ritter became the second QB since the AFL-NFL merger. I wanted no to cite this too. <laughs> in his first five starts, which, yeah. again, you have to like watch. Desmond yeah. is like one of those quarterbacks. Some quarterbacks just like, I don't need to see the Mahomes numbers to know mm-hmm. that whenever I see it. Or I have to watch the game to know how Mahomes impacted a game. Like you can just look at the numbers and you're like, oh, that's pretty bonkers. And then if you, it, it matches. If you look at Desmond Ritter, like you wouldn't know that he had negative twelve passing yards after the first first quarter. You wouldn't know how the flow of that game was uh, not conducive to really any kind of vertical stretching of the field, and it was fine. It you would think just looking at that stat line that everything was just fine. Like the offense, both Algier and Bijan, I think ended up with over five yards of carry uh, on the ground. No Cordero on this one. Um, uh, that maybe a little bit of a miss, but like. You just look at the stats and you're like, oh, it was a easy game. And it was like, not really. The second half is when things really got started. But I think if I had to do my sports radio takeaway here, at Garrett Chapman, I would leave with if Dean Pease was the defensive coordinator still going into yesterday, the Falcons lose that game 10 out of 10 times. I'm not saying Dean Pease was a bad defensive coordinator. I am saying Dean Pease wow. was a safe defensive coordinator the last two years the limited dearth of talent here we looked at this defense and it was like a bend don't break it was like keep everything in front of us just don't it was just not an aggressive defense over the first two years and that's really just how dean pease is ryan nielsen comes in and you see him jumping up and down like a crazy person like brian van gorder on the sideline throughout like he's been drinking his celsius you you can tell he's he's making sure to 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 lock those down uh pre-game but the defensive line, like Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata, great, extremely well. They got mm-hmm. to the passer, the passer, uh, the passer really well down the stretch. Lorenzo Carter with a big sack, and he doesn't start. Um, but Dupree moves like he's seventy three. But hey, whatever. You took a flyer on him. By and large, though, Jesse Bates forcing three turnovers. Richie Grant hitting hard. Something I just wrote down was like Richie Grant was all over the place in this one too. Yeah. Jesse Bates just reading Bryce Young's eyes and just taking advantage of the rookie quarterback. He was yeah. great. AJ Terrell, aggressive. Trey Flowers was aggressive on the other side with uh, no Jeff Akuda available. I think what I took away from that one is this aggressive Falcons defense getting after Bryce and just not playing scared and playing like we have more talent on this defense, a whole new body of, a whole new faces, like all across the board outside of AJ Terrell and Richie Grant, really, um, and Grady Jarrett. I think that was my biggest takeaway is that Ryan Nielsen is an upgrade. Uh from DMPs to this point. And I think with this aggressive style, um, I think the Falcons are going to benefit a lot more from that uh, than I had anticipated before the year. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And it's not as much an indictment on DMPs. I don't want to take it from that. Like quite like you did necessarily, but um, I think they are feeding off of their defensive coordinators energy a little bit. And and you saw that with his his high level of aggression. Mm. Um, I mean, Jesse Bates was a man possessed. I, I talked about Brian Burns and, and Derek Brown, but Jesse Bates was the same way. He had four interceptions last year, which is a career high. Already got two this season. And and one of the things that I liked, is, it's not just the play of Jesse Bates necessarily. It's the fact that you saw the way it matriculated throughout the entire secondary. Mm. Um, AJ Terrell was able to be a little bit more aggressive with some of his moves. And, and like you talked about, being aggressive. And 
he was able to undercut some things and, and do some stuff because he has the, the confidence that his safeties are going to be there over the top, ready to help. Um, and look, Jesse Bates, it really helps when you have a safety who can go through and jump some routes. Um, now at the end of the day, it's, it's, you are facing a rookie quarterback and I'm not trying to overreact to anything necessarily, uh, because I was at the game and, and you can see I was pretty high up. So it's like, I could see some, I could see some of the play art and, and there were some missed opportunities that the Panthers had uh, throughout this game, not just in, in any period of time. It's it, throughout the game. Bryce Young had some some opportunities to go deep, and he missed. Hmm. Uh, and that's the thing. If you're playing a Jared Goff, I mean, Jared Goff isn't going to miss those opportunities. You know, like, uh, like these these guys, these seasoned professional quarterbacks are not going to miss these opportunities. Um, Trevor Lawrence is not going to miss that stuff. And it, it's just these – it's going to be different moving forward. Uh, their best wide receiver is DJ Chark. He wasn't playing uh, a rookie making his first career start. I mean, the rushing attack was the rushing defense was pretty leaky for the Falcons. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more from them. I had 150 yards on the ground is, is generally speaking, not going to get it done. Um, but all in all, I mean, like, like what you said, like this team, I'm not going to lay it at Dean Pease's feet per se, but I will say if this is the team that was playing last year, well, excuse me. If this t- the team last year was playing this year, this is probably a game that the Falcons lose. Yeah, uh, it's just a change in direction, and I think it helps when you have 126 million dollars to spend on your defense. Uh, and we saw that the yeah. new new faces really contributed to the overall success of this de- of this unit. I agree. Um, does it matter? So this was interesting after the game, and look. Arthur Smith's always going to be Arthur Smith and um, he's uh, he's going to speak his mind. And uh, yep. sometimes he gets a little uh, feisty in these post gamers. He's sometimes a little bit uh, mercurial in how he talks to the press. But um, someone was asked about the Drake London lack of targets in this one. And something that I think is interesting is, I mean, obviously everyone took away that uh, they're not playing fantasy football out there. My thing is like, there's competing factors here. Like if you are a reporter that's a fair question. Like you ask him, you're like, Hey, you drafted this guy. He was an offensive, uh, play Like just, uh, one of the best rookie receivers a year yeah. ago. You're already really limited in the passing game. It's not like you have, uh, just a, a cornucopia of skill position guys out wide for Desmer to, uh, throw the ball around to Cordell wasn't available. Obviously. Um, you look at this and you're like, okay, that's a fair question to ask. And Kyle Pitts had one big game that was taken away in this one. So that was, uh, I think he would have had a little bit better of a stronger stat line if that uh, one uh, catching called back on penalty. But like when I heard that and saw the response, I think two things are true. I think it was a fair question. I think Arthur is also correct. And he's not, he doesn't have to placate uh, fans and anybody else who just see, oh, top 10 pick or superstar kind yeah. of guy. Like we have to get him targets. It, it is ultimately about winning games and his job is self-preservation and uh, getting the Falcons wins the best way he knows how. It also is like, it's not really Arthur Smith's call where guys are drafted. He does the best with what the pieces are. I understand he has input and it's not like he's not uh, putting his input into what Terry Fontenot does. But like, I think that's ultimately a stronger question for Terry Fontenot is like, why are you drafting these guys in the top 10, top 20, whatever in the first round if your head coach doesn't necessarily um, play a style or is going to uh, coach in a way that's going to maximize that value uh, in that space. And I think that's a fair question for Terry. And I'd be more interested to hear from Terry's perspective on why he's drafting those kind of guys. Um, 
early if Arthur um, is still going to win games in a different different way. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of competing factors here that I've been considering. I don't think it's a negative, and I think fans who are really upset about that, it's like you got a dub week one. Like yeah. this is this is all news. So don't. It's something to monitor over the course of the year. Desmond Ritter three and two as a starter. He's not throwing picks. It's not like the offense is a is broken. The pass protection was not good in this game by and large. So maybe that's part of it too. Um, I think it's just by and large, if you win the game, you played a style that won. He's played 500 football through uh, three years to this point. Um, it's a big year for Arthur Smith, but let's see as the season goes on. Uh, Kyle Pitts got some deep shot. The deep shot late was huge. Um, let's just see what ultimately happens. But uh, I do think at the, le- the, at the very least, it's okay to monitor if you're going to use that kind of draft capital early to make the best of those kind of uh, person, those pieces and those targets. Does that all make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I see where you're coming from with it too. Um, I, I will add this. I will add this to what you're saying because it's, you do have a fair point. You raise a fair argument. I mean, it's, it is a realistic thing. I mean, but at the end of the day, it's like, look, your last three first round picks, you've had three, one scored a touchdown. your last uh, on Sunday um, had a very good performance by and large one mm-hmm. of the best rookie performances of week one. Um, you can make that argument. Then the, you go back the year before and that guy led your team in, in receiving. Mm-hmm. Then you go back the year before that he led your team in receiving and he set a Falcons rookie, rookie, rookie receiving record. And he is the, one of two tight ends ever to go for a thousand yards in a rookie season. So I don't really understand the, the complaint. I hear, I hear the complaint every single day. I see mm-hmm. it on social media every single day. But I don't know what people truly expect from these guys. I mean, yes, I understand where what happened on Sunday. I understand that Kyle Pitts only had two catches. I understand that uh, Drake London didn't have any tar- one target and zero catches. I understand mm. those things. But you also only had 44 plays. You only had 44 plays. And there's only so much. And when the ball's working on the ground and they can't stop the rushing attack when you're using B- uh, Tyler Algier – and you're just bowling over them in the second half, and you're wearing them down, why would you go away from that? Mm. Because we saw them go away from that, and that's when the Panthers were able to pin their ears back and get back into the backfield and sack Desmond Ritter or at least disrupt the play. So, look, it was just the flow of the game, and I'm not sitting here trying to like defend Arthur Smith or, or Terry Fontenot or anything like that, but these guys have delivered not all the way on their draft capital. I mean, like, look, they're not uh, Jamar Chase or any of the other dudes who have just been dudes, but – Look, they've had very strong careers to this point, and I'm I'm sitting here waiting for for people to kind of chill out a little bit with Drake London. I, he had a bad first week, and I don't necessarily blame him. I don't blame Desmond Ritter. It's just the way the game unfolded. And I think if the if the Falcons had as many snaps as the Carolina Panthers, they had 72 in this game. We had 44 or 48 rather. Uh, if the Falcons had that many snaps, I guarantee you. I guarantee you that the that Drake London and Kyle Pitts would have had more looks, hundred mm. percent. But look, when you only have forty eight snaps, that's a pretty low number, you know. And mm. and maybe that's there are efficiency problems. They were holding the ball pretty effectively, and, and look, they were running the ball. And so, mm. why would you want to go away from from what's working? Like if you're if you're picking up chunks of yardage on the ground, you got to stick with it. And we, I was talking about that to, to the people around me in the stands. Just mm. Run the ball, run the ball, because in the first half. The passing attack wasn't working. I mean, Desmond Ritter had zero yards total if you account for the the sack yardage. He had zero yards passing, Mm -hmm. and it's bad. It's a different conversation. But 
the the rushing attack was working. It's just the flow of the offense. Yeah, and I mean, not a, he hasn't really opened it up yet. We also uh, we'll see what happens when they play from behind. I think Smith was just a really confident way of calling this game. Where I think it it kind of reminded me of, and this is no disrespect to Carolina, but it kind of played out like a the SEC games we saw over the weekend, where the offenses were kind of kind of rusty. We saw like there was some real rust in the first half for Atlanta because obviously. Arthur did not play a lot of these guys together uh, really at all this preseason. Yeah. So you're shaking some rust off. So I'm going to reserve judgment uh, for a couple more weeks to see what we this wait. offense looks we just like. Wait. That's all. Yeah. Like I'm just not, pile I'm up not wins saying... while you're figuring it out. Yeah. Just win. And and that's, and that was my, my major point. My biggest point from this weekend, when we did Falcons fly over and react to this game, mm-hmm. it is so much better to have to go back to the drawing board and, and work on some stuff and figure out the kinks that need fixing for a win mm-hmm. and look this team hasn't been one and oh since 2017 or 2018 mm-hmm. that's a long time that's a long time you know and look they gotta win and i'm happy about the win that's really mm-hmm. the biggest thing and and the rest of the stuff the little kinks that they can work on that this week mm-hmm. hey we'll see uh i yeah. just it feels good because we know the history of teams that win week one and their playoff record versus or getting to the playoffs versus teams that do not teams that um, start so teams that start zero and one mm-hmm. their odds go from i think they drop by like 40 percent mm-hmm. you know and it's oh and two it's basically if you're oh and two you basically never make the playoffs oh and two is almost insurmountable oh and two it drops it so it's it like i think of the the first one it drops i think it drops like 30 percent and then the second one it drops like 80 percent yeah 75 80 percent it's and it's not insurmountable obviously and it's like a smaller sample size of course with the uh with the the expanded playoffs and and everything Mm. else plus a wide open nfc things change in a hurry but wins are hard in Mm. the nfl it is hard to win football games in the nfl it's hard to win period but winning in the nfl i mean these guys are really good at what they do you know and at the end of the day, it's like you have a rookie quarterback. You like you have some injury concerns on the other side, but that's these guys are still getting paid top dollar to to play at the, the top level of their sport. And the Panthers are going to be a good team this year. Like mm-hmm. I know the NFC South has received a lot of hate just over the course of the off season, but it's this isn't like these teams are decrepit. I mean, like look, the the Saints got a win, the mm-hmm. Buccaneers got a win. The only team mm-hmm. that lost was the Panthers. Yep. So much for the, the weak NFC South. But again, let's not overreact to one week. I don't know. I still think the NFC South sucks. But we'll, I, I'm we'll... not going to say it's good. I'm just saying that that weak NFC South went three and one. That's true. Through one week, they've overachieved. They've overachieved um, through one week. There you go. Um, yeah, which position group impressed you the most? Um, I'm going to have to say the running backs. Just, hmm. just because I, I liked what I saw from Tyler Algier. Um, uh, in a day where I know he's not technically a running back per se. I know you got Cordero Patterson, who's, who's the Joker, I guess, mm-hmm. the new position that Arthur Smith discovered. Um, the dude's just a jack of all trades, I guess. But mm-hmm. no, Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson, the, the pair combined for 130 yards. Uh, they got the tough yards and both averaged over five yards per carry. I really think that was the difference in this game, especially when that was able to knock the Panthers off kilter. And that was really the only thing that was working for the Falcons on offense. And it was good. Mm -hmm. It was good. I liked it. They controlled the ball and uh, they ran the ball effectively and they didn't overrun it. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's like, it was like kind of at a, I guess it was 55, 45 split or something like that. So 
but they ran when it would need it and it was effective when they did that was like one of i mean tyler out to your head i think i texted y'all in the group uh thread um when it happened but tyler algier at one possession was just like i was getting redneck mad um at the sports bar watching it where he uh it's it all blends in together but he ran out of bounds uh, a yard short of the sticks and it was just like that tyler you gotta know where the sticks are like what what are we doing um and it ended the drive and i thought that was gonna be a critical moment in the game but by and large i think that's the one where if i'm arthur smith i get annoyed about the questions because this is a running back is definitely a running back by committee league that's just where we're at and also the that's just a position of strength for the Falcons. And it's like you don't want to overload Bijan week one. So the fans who are complaining about Bijan touches, or you saw that on Twitter, that's just completely erroneous because Tyler Algier is a really good back. And he if Algier gets more carries than Bijan every week, I'm okay with that. That is okay because Bijan, as we saw, is gonna get touches. Bijan is special in space with his touchdown early, was yeah. just breaking ankles. Like Bijan's gonna be fine. I don't want Bijan getting a bulk of the carries right away. I want to save Bijan. I want this. Yeah, no, Tyler Algier is here for this reason. So I think if you're box score watching and you're seeing Algier get the majority of the carries and leads the Falcons in carries this year, I don't think that's a negative because I think they're still going to find Bijan in different ways in the out of the backfield, that kind of stuff. And you just want to keep these guys healthy and conserve them in in a way. So I don't think that was a problem at all. And I think uh, I'm excited about the two-headed monster and three-headed when Cordero gets back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, anytime you average more than five yards per carry in the NFL, yeah. that's a fantastic game, and you got to highlight it. And I, I do also want to give shout-out to the secondary because yes. I, I know that there were opportunities that, that Bryce Young missed, but by and large, in a day where Jeff Okuda doesn't play, um, you looked really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you're facing a rookie quarterback making his first start, but uh, 127 yards passing, I'll mm-hmm. take that. Two interceptions, I'll take that. You know, like they they were good enough to get the job done, and I thought they did a good job from the secondary. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they also had the force fumble. Um, Look, if 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 they were if that defensive line was able to figure out the the rushing attack a little bit better and and stop the run a bit better, we're looking at a day where where the camp the Panthers really have nothing going. They have like one or two drives at the end of their first drive of the game. They were able to find some success, and I was a little, a little antsy at first, um, watching that first drive from from Bryce Young and company. But um, after that, they really settled in, and, and damn near had them scoreless going into the half. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably should have had them scoreless going into the half, and 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 that's just a credit to the secondary and the way they stepped up big. Yeah, I mean, they gave up no big plays. There was nothing really over the top. This was all like yeah. Bryce was picking apart the Falcons over the middle. It was just Hayden Hurst, our old friend, and uh, Terrence Marshall he threw the ball uh, up into the stands. By the way, he what? He threw the ball up into the stands, Bryce Young's ball. Oh. First okay. touchdown pass. And somebody erroneously threw it back because they were oh. trying to. Yeah, it looked like somebody from the stands. It looked like somebody. They, he throws the ball up into the stands and like shushes the crowd or whatever. And uh, somebody threw the ball back at him and said, oh, yeah, you take it. Take that. It's like, dude, you realize you just threw back Bryce Young's first NFL touchdown, right? Yeah. Foolish. Foolish. I'm holding on to that football and I'm probably running out of the stadium. Yeah, I don't know why people give it back. Like the L.A. De La Cruz first home run. Um, that one I'm Cincinnati. not touching. That, that one I'm not throwing. If it's a home run, if no, it's a even home if run, the Reds offer me whatever, run, I'm like, I'm no, I'm I'm walking out of here with this. Where they it. took it for, <laughs> they're like, here's a some some free swag and bull. I'm like, absolutely not. I'm walking out of this building with this ball, and that is the last time you will see me here for a while because I don't want y'all to throw me in red's dungeon uh somewhere and lock me away but no uh, i'm, I'm selling that for too. a they lot of money for hmm? they'll fight for those balls too 
Yeah. I'm, I'm keeping. I've seen that. some. I've seen some very violent things happening happen in stands, mm. or baseball. Weird, weird energy. But oh well. Um, the biggest winner and biggest loser uh, for the Falcons in this game was was who? Jesse Bates. Uh, I mean, he's the obvious answer here. Uh, two interceptions in his NFL debut. Well, NFL debut. Falcons debut. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's loser Drake so London. Ninety percent of the snaps, zero receptions i mean I, and again I, I said this when we when we led um the pod I, I don't blame him for it it's not like he's just out there getting cardio just to to be a distraction or, or because he was running bad routes or, or whatever i don't blame him for that it's just the way that the game unfolded would i like to see him get more involved next week absolutely i think it, i think the falcons are a better team when you have all of your pieces working um but look would I have gone back and changed anything? Absolutely not. So I, I use the term loser kind of softly. Um, it's just that he just didn't record any stats, you know, and, and that's just not a, a very good day. Um, I will also say that the offensive line in general was kind of a collective loser. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would have liked to have seen more of a push on or the pass pro just left something to be desired. That's all. And I don't know if it's an indictment of the offensive line per se, but Chris Lindstrom got called for a number of penalties that were kind of tough at times. And then there was a procedural penalty on Drake London in the second or third quarter where the Falcons were driving and it was third down and, and uh, Kyle Pitts had a big completion over the, the right side of the field. And um, it was something like a, like a illegal shift or something like that. And it's just little stuff that's going to get ironed out as the season goes on. Uh, it's one of the many reasons why I wanted to see players in preseason is because I'd rather see those things ironed out in preseason and not when these games actually count. But look at the end of the day, the Falcons score 14 unanswered points in the second half and they run away with this game. It turns it into, I don't want to say it's a laugher, but by NFL standards, I guess it is. Um, You win by 14 points in in the NFL and that's a really, really good day. Not a lot of losers to go around it when you, when you win a game like that and hold your opposition to 10 points. I'll take that every single day. I agree. Um, for me, I think the biggest winner is just there's just no way around it. It's just the defense as a whole outside of the yeah. linebackers. I think Troy Anderson was doing pretty well. He he popped Troy a lot of the screen, but Ellis was not someone who popped for was me. a little disappointing, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm not. I don't feel good about that spot. And uh, Bud Dupree, we talked about. It's just I I, I didn't didn't think that. I mean, was... Keaton Ellis, I'm looking at it now. He had a six solo tackles, nine total tackles. Mm. Mm. He wasn't great in coverage. No, especially over the middle. Like the there. over the middle was open all day long. That was something. It was. It was. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I know it's a linebacker position in the modern day of the NFL. It's mm. you're basically just a cleanup duty. You know, it, it's not like you're Brian Urlacher or anything like that from the old days. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Troy they, Anderson's they a long-term starter. He looked good. I think. Uh, I feel good about Troy Anderson. I like Troy Anderson a lot. I think he's. He's settling into his position a little bit better. He, I mean, mm. when he came in, we talked about this last year when he was a rookie. He was raw, yeah, really raw, and he hadn't really had a full. I think he had one full season of playing linebacker, mm. just flashed athletic traits and ability. And then when he actually was able to put together a full season, he looked pretty good. And I, I think he's going to have a good second season. I, I really do. I agree. Um, last one here, the biggest week 
two adjustment that you're looking for out of this group based on what we saw against the Panthers heading into Green Bay. What is the biggest adjustment you want to see from this team next week? Pass pro. Mm. Pass pro, pass pro, pass pro. Um, I think those are that in the in the rush defense. Just trenches, you know, just in general. I can just say that. I'll, that's my get out of jail free card. <laughs> you know, you're facing um a rushing attack up in Green Bay that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. That matter is AJ Dillon or, or whoever. I mean, look, look, they've got dudes in that backfield and they're going to, mm-hmm. they're going to hurt you if you give them a chance, you know, and um, AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, those guys are, they're going to hurt you if you give them the chance. So you've got to figure out the, 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 the defensive line and making sure that it's strong. Um, and look, they made the big investment. And I think all in all, the, the defense played really well, like we talked about. And I think it was just a flow of the game kind of took away the football from the rushing attack. Uh, from Carolina. So I want to see them establish themselves a little bit earlier in this game. They were able to drive uh, a little bit more than I would have liked the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of that comes down to just the rushing attack and, 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 and that's going to come in time. I think they will be okay. But the pass pro giving Desmond Ritter an opportunity to make throws down the field, you're going to have to be able to make throws down the field. I know you talked about what the Falcons look like when they're playing from behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worry about that after one week. Uh, the Panthers are, are not a better team than the Falcons, and I think we saw that. But what happens when you do play a better team? What happens when you play the Carolina Panthers? Excuse me, the Carolina Panthers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you or, or the maybe the Detroit Lions? Those are two of your two of your next three opponents, and those are two really good offenses. So what happens when you have to get into a shootout opportunity? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good football game. But what happens if you can't get that, get out there and Desmond, give Desmond Ritter a chance to throw, throw the ball down the field? You have to if you want to give your team a chance to win in those games. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot from Desmond Ritter. I don't know if that's just the way the game unfolded. But mm-hmm. it, like I said earlier, it, it looked almost like Arthur Smith was protecting him a little bit. Now I, I want to see a little bit more from Desmond Ritter. Yeah, and I also just want to see, because I think the Falcons offense is going to struggle next week. Packers defense has just talent everywhere. Like This Packers defense is legit. It's a they... must-win game. They have to win this game. The Packers? In my opinion. Yeah, they have to win this game. They have to. Just the way this game, this season unfolds. Hmm. Because, look, you start this season 2-0, then hmm. you can afford to lose those next two games. Two games that I think they'll lose, probably. Hmm. Uh, I don't think they beat the Lions, and I don't think they beat the Jags. Um, I think those I are just two better that, teams, but... just in general. Uh, okay. I can see them. And look, if you leave the month of September at 500, 2-2, two two, hmm. that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I think that's a... Three and one is is fantastic. Four and is a pipe dream, but if they go three and one, I'll be over the moon. I think two and two is realistic, but I think it really helps if you if you beat the Packers because once you get into later in the season, that's when like it it, it opens up a little bit. They're able to play the Commanders. They they play the Bears. They play the uh, actually okay, I can honestly just pull it up right here, but um, they play the, the they play a much easier slate. Like you have the Texans, the Commanders, at the Buccaneers, Titans, Vikings, Cardinals, and then you get into the Saints, Jets, Bucks. Like, mm-hmm. and that's right. That's after the bye week. You know, so if they can leave the bye week, like what six and four, this is a playoff team. Yeah, I uh, I think it's just going to be a lot more low scoring than people might think going into this one. And I think the Falcons for them to win, it has to be low scoring. I don't think this is one you can get in a, in a back and forth affair and you're going to beat the, I don't think you want to. Yeah. No, I think you want it to be kind of like what we just saw this past week. I understand it's gonna be better. Jordan love looked really good um, in this one, but I just, I I still feel good about the secondary. I don't uh, love this Packers wide receiver group to this point. And I think the Falcons are going to 
be pretty solid uh, against the run this year. So we'll see. I think the defense should be okay, but I'm just interested to see um, what this offense ultimately does against a better defense. Because uh, that defense was good from Carolina. I think they're going to be. Panthers are a good defense. Yeah, they'll have a they'll have a top unit. I just think Falcons fans who are looking for next week to be the week that maybe they air it out more and we see I just I don't think that's gonna be the case. I think this is gonna be another similar game plan though, what we just saw against Carolina. Yeah, I think you're right, honestly. I think we start seeing more of the uh airing it out, like you said, against the Lions. Yes. I think that's really where you start to see the offense open up a little bit. Um th- this is an important game. This is an important game. Like every game is important in the NFL. I mean, you only mm-hmm. have seventeen of them, so you got to win as many as you can. Um, but I think this is a winnable one. Uh, Jordan Love really flashed week one. And again, I'm going to say it, I, I don't I don't buy it until I see it a few times. You know, Jordan Love's only played a handful of games in the NFL at all. Yeah. And this is the first time he's really looked good. And it's against a, a team in the Bears that we really don't know who they are. I don't think they're all that good necessarily. They're not a playoff team, certainly. No, I think so, are bad. I don't think that they're very good. Mm. Um, granted, I I don't really look into the Bears all that much. Um, so I, I think the, this is a better team that the Packers will be facing than the team they faced last week. I think they're going to run the ball more effectively because you have more options than just your quarterback. Uh, and they just have more weapons in general, you know? Mm. And I think you have a better offensive play caller in Arthur Smith. And I think the defense is a little bit better. The secondary, you know, so I, I think the, the, and the Packers are playing on the road too. So the Falcons will be favored in this one. I think they will be. And if they're not, then that's foolish. Um, but uh, look, again, I'll say the Falcons should win this. Actually, ESPN Analytics gives the Falcons a 51.5% chance of winning this game. There you go. Ooh, uh, there's big time. That's, that's uh, all you need to see, right? I think I'm, I'm still going to go Packers, but I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think I can go either way. Uh, I'm going to lean Packers. I'll be pleasantly surprised the Falcons. I think it's a sneaky big win if they take care of the Packers. It'd be a good win. Sunday. It'd be a really good win. Um, I was just wanting to split one and one. That's where I wanted to be after two weeks is one and one, whatever that I meant. Splits, I, I can live with the split. Yeah. One and three after your, after the first month is not good. Um, no. And I think if you lose this game, there's a very good chance that you start one and three. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we shall see Garrett Chapman. What can the good folks check out from you and the team over at night on the game and two, four, seven sports this week. I'm actually out this week. I'm oh. uh, working <laughs> for my, my other job. So I'll be down in a uh, beautiful St. Simons, Georgia for a big convention. Um, mm. Then right back here next week. Okay. So, then it's more of the same. I'm on a, I'm on a nice little routine now. Uh, Falcons Falcons on Sundays and Saturdays. I have Georgia tech and college and the college football show. Uh, Monday mornings, though, every Monday morning, yo, I do want to get this plug in here. College Football Overtime. It's one of my other podcasts. Cheating on you, Chase, with um, more college football conversation. So if you ever want to have me on to the college football talk, then we, we can talk some college football, too. So we'll, we'll, I'll double dip. Okay. Maybe we can jump in there. Maybe. Maybe. Garrett Chapman, always a pleasure. And I'll talk to you next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 